69 offense. He was giving them the business. I like Pittsburgh, I always have. If, if they had a bigger airport, I'd live here. <laughs> so I told our players, I tried to let it out the front door. Cat's still going crazy in there. Be a dog. We don't need no meows. We don't need no cats. We need more dogs. Hello and welcome to the first edition of the Backyard Football Podcast. My name is Nick Hosshalter. And I am Nathan Grilla. And this is our inaugural experience with you guys. Um, the first one. The yeah. El, Nuño, El Uño. Yeah. So, um, basically, uh, we are going to start covering a whole lot of teams in western Pennsylvania. A lot of the smaller schools. It's going to be fun. Well, in specific, southwest Pennsylvania. We're covering all the teams in Washington. Well, south Washington, uh, Green, and Fayette counties, which include the town, the wonderful towns of Uniontown, Waynesburg, and Washington. Yeah, so it's what, 16 teams? 16 to 17 teams, I believe. I haven't counted in a while. Yeah, I so... I added a little bit more. It's going <laughs> to be a fun time. Um... It's a, it's a large area. There's a lot of teams there, but we're up to the challenge, yep. hopefully. We are. We both come from State College, so this is quite a change for us covering a very good 6A team to covering a lot of smaller 1A and 2A teams and a couple 3A teams, too. Yeah, so a little bit about ourselves. Um, again, I'm Nick. I have a lot of experience around football here in State College. Um, my dad is a coach at the high school for a long time. I worked with the football teams for a while, and then just this year, um, we started. Nathan and I both started working for uh, Western PA Football. We produced and edited and hosted the State College Football Podcast. And I think we set a precedent because uh, Western PA Football started to add a couple more podcasts starting this year. So, yeah, props I'm, to us. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a, a big change, obviously, because you know, like Nathan said. You know, obviously we went to State College area high school, so we knew a lot of the players, and it was pretty easy because you know we could be at all the practices. We went to every single one of their games. You know we knew the coaches and all that, so it, it was it was pretty easy to cover. And obviously this year it's going to be totally different because we're kind of the new kids on the block, and we're just trying to get as much information as we can and produce something that is of high quality. And we're kind of starting our own little podcast network here. Uh, we got a couple more guys um, that you'll hear from. So go follow Brock Owens and Caleb Yager, Y-A-U-G-E-R, on Twitter. And you'll and follow me, Nathan Grella, at Nathan Grella. And you'll get updates during the game, Twitter updates and articles and all the good stuff you'll, you love from Western PA football. So And also highlights. Don't forget highlights. Highlights. If we're covering the game, we'll try to get those great plays for you guys. All right. So this is our season preview episode, Nick. Are you excited? Are you ready? I'm definitely ready. And this is good for me, too, because I'll be honest, I do not know nearly as much about these teams as Nathan. So be prepared to hear more of Nathan than me because I'm still catching up on all this stuff. But hopefully a couple weeks in, I'll have a good idea of all these teams. Yeah, I have dug deep into the max preps and the huddles and all of the different sites, the Western PA footballs. Um, yeah, he's, just find he's out done about an, all an these incredible teams. amount of research. Yeah. And speaking about that, just one quick little warning. Um, so because we get a lot of our information from max preps and other sites like that, uh, if your team or your coach or whoever updates it isn't 
regular and diligent about that. There might be a few bits of information that we get wrong, and we would love to hear from you guys if there's anything that we did get wrong. So, you know, you can send us a DM on Twitter, you can email us, and we'll, you know, get, get you all that information at the end. But, you know, don't get angry at us because we're just using the information that's available to us. So, just as a warning. Yes. Yeah, if we don't say the right thing about your team, um, chances are you're right and we're wrong. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you want to talk about the Whippeal 1A Tri County South, the first division that we'll be covering? We'll be covering two divisions in detail and then. All the 3A teams, the two divisions are 1A Tri-County South and 2A Century, either, it's called the Century or the Interstate, it's called both here and there, but uh, 3A and 4A teams will be covered, it's just that we won't cover your division in as much detail as we will the smaller teams, because the smaller teams we're covering five of the six teams in the division, so. Yeah, and that's just because there aren't as many of those schools in that part of the state. Yep. So. Yeah, so we're going to jump right into the 1A Tri-County South, and this is going to be very interesting. So how do you think the conference stacks up this year as a whole, and is there any chance that there will be a three-year tie for the third year in a row? Well, obviously there is a chance, because there was a chance last year, and they did it again. So the three-way tie between West Green, California, and Monison, all with one loss and six wins in conference. Um, The three-way tie, they all went to the playoffs, of course, this conference is really top-heavy. I think Bentworth could put themselves in the conversation for top three. This year, with all the returning talent, Monison, uh, who's to say they got a good O-line coming back? But I think West Green is really the class of this conference right now. California could put their name out there if they get a couple surprise wins here and there. Obviously, California starts off their season against a 2A team. That's not going to help, although that doesn't really impact conference standings. I think West Green really has a solid shot not even just winning the, the division but making the Whippeal championship right now um, they got tons of returning talent not as much on the offensive line but especially at in the backfield their backfield is the class but we're going to talk about that later um, the conference as a whole super top heavy Chargers Houston came uh, fourth from last last year and that's only because like, Chargers Houston was not good last year, and I can tell them that because we don't cover them this year. But all of their wins came against Jefferson Morgan, Avella, and Maple- Mapletown, and all those teams are probably equally as bad as Chargers Houston. So there's definitely a big gap between where Bentworth is and Monison is and where Chargers Houston is and Jefferson Morgan is as far as looking at the conference standing as a whole. So I think there it's you could almost split this division into two just based on how good and how bad some teams are at the top and the bottom. Yeah, and of course, that's not to say that there won't be any surprises, but certainly one of the patterns of football and profession and sports in general is that the higher the level you're at, generally, um, the more even the teams are. So, um, you know, in the NFL, you can have worse teams beating better teams, and there's not that much of a gap. But, you know, with a lot of these schools, and high school especially, you know, it's a lot more difficult to close that gap. So I'm not saying that Chargers Houston wouldn't be able to pull up, pull out an upset against Bentworth, but I'm saying it's highly unlikely that any of those bottom four teams beat any of the top four teams this year. It, yeah. There's just such a gap in talent. Yeah. 
All right, so let's move into one of those bottom four teams that we are kind of excited about seeing. I mean, I'm excited about going to one of their games because it's definitely a scrappier team on the on, <laughs> on anyone's yeah. schedule. And, um, yeah, and it's always, you know, we're kind of used to being some of the big dogs in our division with State College, and, you know, now we get a chance to root for some of the underdogs because we're not a fan of the big teams. And one of those underdogs, in every sense of the word, is Mapletown. And just a few stats here, and I apologize if there are any Mapletown fans listening, but I'm sure that you're just as frustrated and dismayed as we are about their situation. So they only scored 38 points last year, and they gave up 367, which over 10 games is an average of 3.8 points scored per game and 36.7 points allowed per game. And that number could have been higher if they didn't forfeit to Clareton for the lack of players issue. Which they ended up losing 2-0, but obviously was a forfeit. So it's a pretty drastic situation for Mapletown this year. Uh, There is some hope they bring back their entire offense. And the question is, and keep in mind, we believe they bring back their entire offense, but if Max Preps is not updated, it's very possible that they do not actually bring back their entire offense. But we're going to pretend that they, they do. They bring, According to what I have, they bring back their quarterback, who was a freshman last year. He played uh, admirably, I would say, under the situation he was in. Yeah. Uh, going into his sophomore year, I'd love to see him where he is in two years because I think there's a lot of potential at the quarterback spot there. As for the rest of the team, this is a really senior-heavy Mapletown team. So where he is in two years might not be where the opportunity is right now for Mapletown. If you're one of those bottom four teams in this division, you really got to look at the season positively if you finish fifth in the conference. So do I think they finish fifth? I mean, they have a shot to finish fifth, but it doesn't help that they get all of their all of those games against those bottom four teams. It doesn't help that they get them all on the road. They get yeah. Avella on the road, even though they play Avella twice. So you take it what you will. But they play Vela twice. They get one game on the road. They play Chartier Houston. They get it on the road. They play Jefferson Morgan at Jefferson Morgan. So they get all those games that are at least winnable. Um, and I use air quotes there. Winnable for them. Uh, they get Zach Green back and running back, and that's going to help. Um, the O-line wasn't good last year, but they get everybody back. Defensively, Robert Orndorff Jenkins is the really the standout, and the defense was atrocious. Atrocious. Yeah. for Mapletown last year. And if they even think about winning uh, against one of those bottom four teams, they got to improve on defense. Because their offense, I think, will score points because they improve. They bring back everybody. But the defense is where Mapletown's season will be defined. Yeah, one thing to note about the, the stats I shared earlier is that that 2 nothing forfeit loss to Clareton really brought down the average quite a bit for the points allowed. Yeah, the forfeit um, loss was their closest loss. You, yeah, to give you a few glimpses into their season, they lost 47 nothing in one game, they lost 49 nothing in another game, they lost 48 nothing in another game, and those were all in a row. They also lost 42 nothing, and honestly, it doesn't even matter that much which which one is which in terms of what teams they played. You know, you just get the idea that they're giving up a lot of points. And at the same time, you have to remember that puts so much pressure on the offense. So the offense might be 
potentially a little better than we realize, but when you're losing by that much, you know, can't do really yeah. anything. And obviously, you know, you're replacing a lot on defense also, so it doesn't help. Yeah. So. All right. Um, next, we are going to transition into Jefferson Morgan. Yeah. And if there was a win on this schedule, um, Jefferson Morgan would be the team for to beat for Mapletown. Um, I think that game's a lot closer than it was. Obviously, it was very close at halftime last year, and then Jefferson Morgan pulled away. Unlike Mapletown, Jefferson Morgan, they, it's getting rough for them. I think they were heavy with seniors last year, and they only get won two games, and now they're depleted almost everywhere. So. Let's talk about them. <laughs> yeah, and really the question here is, you know, the the Rockets have a, a decent backfield and defensive secondary. And the question is whether there is enough talent in those areas of their game to where they can win a few games, you know, maybe improve, maybe stay the same. Either one would be impressive considering how many players they lost. What are your thoughts about that, Nathan? Yeah, like Mapletown, they, their schedule is not kind to them either. Um, they've got Our Lady of Sacred Heart, who won the Whipple. They got uh, road trips to California, West Green, and Bentworth. The backfield looks good. I like Jonathan Wolf as a captain and as a team leader. He'll he'll be very important to this team if they pull out a win against a team. It's hard for Jefferson Morgan to look at the schedule and not imagine Mapletown and Novella as wins. With the level of attrition they have, I don't see them improving or staying where they were last year. I. I can only see them uh, going down from here and trying to rebuild because there's not a lot. I mean, they lose, what, six starters from the offensive line and defensive line combined. That's not going to help your team. Of course, they got Justin Silbaugh coming back, but there's just not a lot of bodies to be played on the lines. Yeah. And just the question is, can they avoid dropping to the bottom? I know that's a pretty bleak outlook, but you know you have to you have to look at the situation realistically. So yeah. those, I think that game against Mapletown is going to be really big for both of those teams. Well, yeah, it's going to basically define their program for the both team is going to define their program for the year because I don't see a lot of wins coming from either team throughout the year. Yeah, they're both going to be desperate. So maybe we can cover that one be fun i think we are actually scheduled to cover that one me and you Sweet. at jefferson morgan so that'll be fun we are going to skip over avella and chartier's houston because we are not going to be covering them for the year although chartier's houston is in washington county i didn't really feel like covering them because they're a little bit too far they're past washington they're north washington so and they're not good so i'd rather cover uh, not good teams that are closer to us than are farther away from us. Yeah, and besides, like I said, we have like 15 or 16 teams to cover this year, so someone else can pick that up. And yes. Hopefully someone from Western PA football will. Yes. So. And we'll be covering a lot of Charger Houston games anyway, so yeah, understandably. Uh, let's move on to some of the better top four teams. All right, so next up we have Bentworth. And uh, we have this fine analogy here about Bentworth. Um, the famed Dr. Seuss wrote, Oh, the places you'll go. And one of the places that you can go in this book is the waiting place, which is just for people that are just waiting. And uh, disclaimer, we stole this from the Solid Verbal podcast, but 
it's a great analogy. Yeah, like we're the solid verbal, but for Pennsylvania high school football teams in a certain section of Pennsylvania. Very specific. Yes. <laughs> um, They'll probably never hear this podcast, so yeah. we're good. Um, but you should also listen to the solid verbal if you like college football, because that is oh, yeah. the podcast. And who doesn't? I mean, let's be honest. Anyone listening to this show probably does like college football, so including both of us. In any case, so the waiting place, that's their situation right now, basically. In the past four years, they've gone 20 and 20. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to draw anything from that. I mean, obviously, it's better than a lot of the teams we've covered, but at the same time, it's not standout. And the question is, you know, can the Bearcats escape the waiting place? Can they have a couple breakout years, maybe improve to a positive margin? And that is really question so yeah. what do you think about that Nate? um listen they replaced their 15-year head coach they got a new one coming in they got a new system coming in i think this offense revolves around trent kavanaugh if trent kavanaugh in in trent kavanaugh's offense revolves around how the offensive line plays they lose mason shamazak who is a team leader last year but they got almost everyone coming back, I believe, on the offensive line. Nick Scarfo and Colin Heinrich are the two standouts there. But if Trent Kavanaugh can generate offense, and this this Bentworth needs to control the ball. Bentworth controls the ball, they control the game. And Trent Kavanaugh, like what we saw, I, to use an analogy, because probably you guys don't relate to this, but State College last year, they would just be really dynamite on offense and their defense would just be gassed in the late in games. So if Bentworth, and Bentworth doesn't return a lot, especially on the defensive line, but if Bentworth can just control the game, they have a really chance of just limiting uh, teams' ability to score. Uh, and if they limit teams' ability to score, they instantly increase their chances of winning closer games. Yeah, it's just like what you see with Wisconsin and Iowa. You know, a lot of the Big Ten West schools, or even something like Army that runs the triple option, you know, the more you can control the game, the more you can control the clock, the less work your defense has to do, the less they have to be out in the field. And that seems like with the kind of experience and the kind of talents that are available at Bentworth, that's something we'd like to see for them as a way for them to achieve success. You know, if they're scoring really yeah. quickly, that's great, but at the same time, you know, how long is your defense going to have to be out there? Yeah. That's a factor. You really want, in the defense, two of the front seven come back, and that's not going to help them. Um, you really want to keep the defense off the field this year. The backfield, or not the back, the secondary, I think, is really strong for Bentworth, though. But if, if, if you don't have anyone on that defensive line or linebackers that can stop the run, no one's going to throw out the secondary. Yeah, exactly. So. And that's something that we've seen a lot of in covering high school football last year. You know, if you and you hear it at every level of football, if you can control the running game, you can control the entire football game itself, you know. Like they they may not be able to throw on you, but if they can keep your defense out there for, you know, 5, 6, 7 minute drives, it can really take a toll. And one thing that'll help with that is they get they have a senior quarterback coming back and Sean Ziak Ziak something like that we'll figure it out but uh, I I really like him I think he's a strong team leader um, obviously he's not gonna be 
taking he's not going to be the focal point of the offense with Trent Kavanaugh coming back. So I think he could really be a nice complementary player to Owen Petrzak and Trent Kavanaugh in the backfield, and I think he could really just complement them in different ways. Bentworth, I like them improving this year. I think their schedule is favorable. Um, it just depends on how Monison is, really. If they can just pull out that win against Monison and maybe maybe squeak one out against California or West Green, they'll be in the top two, and that'll be a really, really improved season from last year and from the past four years. All right, next we are headed to one of the most exciting teams, in my opinion, oh, in definitely. this entire division, something that I think both of us have been ready to talk about for a while. Yes. And that is California. Yes. Um. So um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a little acronym that we came up for. Yes. For California. Yeah. FAST. FAST. In the four signs that warn of a stroke, just a PSA for you, is FAST standing for face drooping, arm weakness, speech difficulty, and time to call. So whenever uh, you want to know if someone's having a stroke or not, just remember that acronym. Likewise... We've yes. created an acronym that describes the California Trojans. What is that acronym, Nick? All right. Um, F is for front five. A is some of the key areas of improvement that we found for their game. S is for a stacked secondary. And T is for the triple option. All right. So the front five for the California Trojans... Um, their offensive line is really, really strong this year. I like their offensive line. They got Colin Tajones at center, Nathan Gelitai at guard, and Sam Thomas at tackle. They're replacing the whole right side of their O-line, but I think they had enough depth from last year where that that can happen pretty quickly. The main question for their offense, uh, and this leads into the T for triple option, the main question is going to be a quarterback, and it looks like they're going to move Cochise Ryan from wide receiver to quarterback, and... I don't trust his arm talent one bit. So I think their offense is going to be quite one-dimensional. And that could help. I mean, that could really improve their offense. Obviously, they're going to control the ball. They may not run the triple option, but I think it would help them. Uh, They got really strong running backs coming back. Um, Obviously, they lose Jelani Stafford, who is the workhorse of that offense last year. But his brother comes back in Damani Stafford. And then they got Jaden Zusak, who is also a key contributor at the slot in tailback spots last year. So I like where their offense is at, theoretically. Um. <laughs> yeah, and even if they don't run the triple option, you know, like honestly, I, I wouldn't expect them to just because you don't see high schools doing that really ever anymore. But the point is a, a run-focused game. You yes. know? And hey, maybe maybe this wide receiver actually has a great arm and they can find other talented players to catch the ball. But it seems like based on their areas of strength, especially that offensive line, uh, Nathan and I feel that it would be smart to lean on the run more heavily than perhaps they have in the past. Yes, and unlike Bentworth, I don't think the defense is going to be a complete liability to the team. Not to say Bentworth's defense will be bad, but like it's not as California's defense is really strong this year. Um, the defensive line was not good last year, but I think they return enough to where they can be they can create havoc in the backfield. Uh, Simiak comes back. Mason Watkins and Seth Raricha at defensive tackle. Um, the linebacker spot is stacked. Coach East Ryan was an all-conference player at linebacker last year, 
in the secondary stacked as well. I mean, the secondary is really the strength of the defense. So the defense is also a standout for this team. The question mark is going to be that California-West Green game because can this secondary and these linebackers stop Ben Jackson and Colin Walker? That's the real question, and that'll be a really, really important game. I think in West Green, I you might have to check this. I don't, I don't remember who won that game last year. Yeah, and... Like when we talked about, you know, one of the key games early on being Mapletown, Jefferson Morgan, Jefferson Morgan. Yeah, yeah. This, this is another game to watch out for. This is like the Mapletown Jefferson the Morgan, but with this. teams yeah. that are All above right. average. <laughs> so I, I just checked uh, West Green versus California. Uh, California won twenty-four to fourteen last year. Okay, so that was one of those six and one games. That was obviously West Green's only conference loss. So. That game will be very important, especially for West Green. If West Green wants to win the conference outright, that's the game to do it right there. And speaking of the devil himself, let's move on to the conference favorites, as I see it, I think. All right. We are going to talk about West Green. Yes. You know, as we alluded to earlier. So, um... We have, we have this other fun analogy for you guys. We got fun analogies for days. Uh, we're not going to do a fun analogy for the lesser teams, but I think I think we can have a little fun on this podcast. What do you think? I say we do a fun analogy at least twice an episode. All right, let's for do any that. team. It, it can be it can be a it can be a, a team that's not as successful, but it, that'll be a less fun analogy to create. Not necessarily. <laughs> In any case, um, so. We are going to talk about Batman, Batman as it relates to West Green. Yes. So, um, Batman and Robin specifically. And we feel that this Batman and Robin duo is a good mirror of the duo that is in the backfield for West Green. Specifically, who can be considered some of the best running backs in all of 1A, Ben Jackson and Colin Walker. Would you like to explain this analogy a little so, bit? So, basically, the question is, if Ben Jackson was Batman and Colin Walker was Robin, which version of Batman and Robin would they be? Your options are Batman from 1966, Batman and Robin, Batman Forever, the, the Lego Batman movie, and The Dark Knight Rises. And I was um, kind of conflicted on this because... I think it's either between The Dark Knight Rises or Batman 1966, because Batman 1966, you see Robin in a more active role. He's always fighting the bad guys. you got the Biffs and the Pows. Um, with the regular Batman, he's probably more competent than Batman in that, because Batman is so dramatic, he kind of... Robin has to overcompensate for him. Um, and then The Dark Knight Rises is probably more appropriate, though, because you see... Because Robin is kind of more uh, at his, as is kind of more of an outsider, uh, he doesn't really see the full picture, kind of, but he's in there. And then by the end of the movie, he's right alongside him. He sees the bat or the Robin suit in the Batcave, and he's like, "I'm gonna be the Robin now." And he's Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays him. So I think the, the Dark Knight Rises kind of described them last season, and then. Batman 1966 could describe them this season. So last season, Colin Walker kind of had a limited role in the offense, as described by Brian Hansen, I would say. Um, he was kind of... Uh, he wasn't as involved in the offense as he could have been. And this season, 
you could see the these two really just the one-two punch kind of. And obviously, Ben Jackson is a complete stud, um, and he's really going to be a, a special player this year to cover. But Colin Walker's right there, and Colin Walker would be a starter on any team, I would say. So these two guys are just going to destroy people. And then you got, in the backfield, also, you got a quarterback battle in Gavin Scott and Austin Krause. Gavin Scott started every year last year, so I think that's kind of like new coach talk. I don't see a world in which Gavin Scott would not be the starter because uh, he's talented enough to where he could play Division three football at least. Um, he's got to work on his arm game. That's There's no question about that. Brian Hansen is going to try to air the ball out more this year, and he's looking for a quarterback with a stronger arm than they had last year. So I like I like this backfield. It's strong. It's one of the best in 1A. The question mark for the team comes on the offensive line, and this team was average on the offensive line, I'd say. Um, it... it Brian Hansen has kind of thrown them under the bus recently for their struggles last year, but you could look at this offensive line as as really trying to improve next year. And if this offensive line and the defensive line creates pressure, if the offensive line blocks and the defensive line creates pressure, you're going to see West Crean really, really surprise some people, especially come November. I couldn't agree more. Yes. And on that note, uh, we are going to move into... Another discussion of the one A Tri County South as a whole. Well, it's basically just up. prediction kind yeah, of. Yeah, it's 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 just uh, now that we have a little more information and we've you know explained to you guys a little more, we're gonna go into this. So each of us are gonna pick our team to win the conference and a team that will show the most improvement. And um, I think I have a pretty clear answer for both. I, I think the team that shows the most improvement is probably the easiest one to answer because there's really only one team that is I mean, it, you're not going to pick Mapletown. So, I think Bentworth is probably the pretty obvious choice there. Um, the pick to win the conference is the tricky one because I could see either California or West Green winning it and possibly Monison. Uh, it could be another three-way tie, but I think... I could see Monison winning it, although I don't think they will because they lose a lot of uh, depth on that offense. I really, I, I like California's offense, and I don't really trust West Green's defense to stop that. They, I mean, California's got so many weapons, so I'm gonna take that underdog pick and go with the California Trojans. And you know, I, I, I have to agree with you. I'm not as confident, I don't think, as you. You know, because. You know, I mean, trust me, West Green's offense is off the charts, oh, yeah, unbelievable. Exactly. Yeah. But like, yeah, the secondary takes a big hit for West Green, and they're, uh, although that won't be as important when they play California, but I, I really like California's offense, and their defense is just, it, it it's not going to be on the field but when it is on the field. They're just not going to give up a lot of points. So, yeah, and I, th- I think you saw that, you know, with with their game last year you know they, they only gave up 14 points last year which is pretty impressive considering the team that they're playing obviously you know west green was a solid team last year as well so you know i i think and then and of course the tricky part is does the increase increased role in colin walker 
maybe add on another 7 points or another 14 points to that game? That's a good question. <laughs> and honestly, you know, I'm going to go with California because I like picking the underdog in many cases. Um, you know, but honestly, it's anybody's guess at this point. It's early in the season. I think once we see both of the teams play, yeah, we'll have a much better idea and we can start talking realistically. And Beth Center is a top-end 2A team. If California even, say, competes with Beth Center, keeps it a close game, I think California has a really, really good shot at being really good this year. Yeah. Um, if California just gets destroyed by Beth Center week one, that's I think it's West Green's conference to lose at that point. I mean, obviously California can improve, but I don't think they come out of that game with any positive feedback, you could say, if they just get destroyed by Beth Center. Because as we'll move into our 2A preview here for the Whippeal 2A Century Interstate, uh, Beth Center is one of those intriguing teams. All right. So uh, we're going to do the same thing we did for the last conference. Um, We're going to talk about the 2A Interstate slash Century or whatever it is as a whole. I mean, it's Century some places. Like, it's all over Max. Perhaps it just has Century. But then on Western PA Football, it's Interstate. And on PA Football Helmet Project, it's uh, Interstate. So basically, either Max Preps is right or not Max Preps is right. And it's probably not Max Preps. But but we'll just call it whatever for the time being until someone corrects us. (laughs) All right. And we are going to discuss the conference as a whole first. Which team... Well, actually, you know, we're, we're going to save that for a little later. How does the conference stack up this year as a whole? Uh, it's another three-team race. It's that it's that easy. Um, Charleroi and Washington. Well, really, it was a two-team race last year, but McGuffey was right there. McGuffey's kind of like that shady team that when you look at the rankings, you're like, oh, they weren't really in it, but then they were They were really in it the first seven games of the year. Um, Charleroi in Washington were the just battling it out last year and Washington came out and won and then Washington won the Whippeal and then Washington had a disappointing playoff loss but I think the, those two teams are going to be the top two unless McGuffey just has some massive um, replacement turnover I like uh, Washington is just it's Washington and the rest of the division really right now Washington just returns so much like I don't see a loss on their schedule so there's there's positives for both Charleroi and McGuffey to try and compete for that division, but like the division title is Washington's to lose right now, and I don't see a lot anything changing that. Yep, and with that note, we are going to move into each individual team, starting with Brownsville. All right, so Brownsville finished last last year, and unlike the one A Tri County South, I think there's a a lot more value in those lower teams in this conference, especially in Southmoreland. Uh, Southmoreland is feeling very confident about themselves this year. The Scott, they think they could compete for those that top three spot if Charleroi drops, and or if McGuffey drops. Um, Brownsville is one of those teams where it's like, yeah, you went into last year really hurting because your coach left early in fall camp. Um, and then that kind of back to their season. But you look at them this year, and you're like, I wouldn't be surprised if they came 
maybe fourth to last if if Southmoreland had an unexpected drop, if Carmichael's all the returnees didn't play like if they had, if Bethlehem Center hits an injury bug or all of their replacements don't play as well as their seniors last year. You could see Brownsville really jumping up, but you could also see them just staying where they were. Um, I think one of the one of the key people that will be important in that is Hunter Assad. If Hunter Assad uh, comes back in his sophomore season and shows a ton of improvement, especially like in his uh, in the dual threat game, I think that could really help Brownsville. I think that Carmichael's game could be important for them not to finish in last like they did last year. And they got a fun coach. They got a fun environment to play in. Yeah. Um, and again, it's just a question of, you know, how much did that coach leaving early last year, how much did that impact? Because, again, you know, that situation has massive ramifications, especially in a game like football where, you know, someone's scheme and someone's way of doing things makes such a big difference. So we'll see now that they have a little more time to be organized and figure their stuff out and they have a little more experience. I think we'll see improvement, yeah. but, um, you know, it's, it's hard to say. It's hard yeah. to say. And they got Daniel Grant coming back, a really, really good running back, too. Um, Daniel Grant will Daniel Grant will give you yards, but if Hunter Assad can improve, that just gives them another dimension to their offense. And if they get that extra dimension to their offense, it just, again, all of these teams, it just comes down to, you. can you control the ball? Can you keep the other team's offense from just churning clock? And if Brownsville can somehow do that, um, I mean, it'll take a lot of improvement on their offensive line. But if Daniel Grant can just churn out yards and Hunter Saad can just improve in his running game, I think this offense could do enough to where the defense can't get on the field. But it's, it just comes down to how, how like, just getting off the field early. Yeah. Next up we have Carmichael's. Um, so... And for last year, they were in some ways outclassed by a lot of the competition in the Whippeal 2A, Interstate, Century, whatever. And, you know, that was a disappointing season for them last year. But the bright side is that they return almost everybody this year. And they, again, they're another team with a fun coach, a good coaching environment. And so the question is does all that experience, how much of a difference does that make? Can they bring themselves back to a little more glory? So, the question, Nathan, um, what can Tar- Carmichael do to return its above-average status it achieved in 2016 and 17? Or excel over it? It's, the, it's another good question there. Um, uh, they return everybody. They got a ton of talent coming back. Um, their offensive line, I think, is legit this year. Their offensive line wasn't great last year, but it, it, it the improvement I th- I think they see a lot of improvement this year. Um, Jonathan Lilly is a guy that I really like a running back. Quarterback needs to see a lot of improvement this year if they want to take the next step. The defense should be above average to average. Um, they could take the next step. I don't think there's a ton of talent coming back from last year. I mean, there's a ton of players coming back from last year, but I don't think there's a ton of just guys that really stood out to you and 
like they don't have that star power like say Brown like Brownsville has Daniel Grant Daniel Grant is like is a genuinely star player for that team. He's a standout above the rest. There's just not that guy. There's a ton of depth, but I don't see that guy that'll like break one on this team. Um, and until they get that, like Brownsville, I wouldn't be surprised if Brownsville passed them in the standings, and I wouldn't be surprised if Carmichael's jumped top four. But they gotta improve on their depth, or th- their depth has to improve to where they need they get a lot better. Yeah. If that makes sense, it probably doesn't. <laughs> yeah. So they they have they have a lot of average players, but they need someone to step up and really make a difference on this team. Yes. And, um, you know, that's that's often a key in high school football, you know, just having one guy that can make the play when you need him to. And this is a really tough division this year. They'd have to pull an upset win here or there. They'd have to beat Brownsville and Beth Center if they wanted to get in the top four. So I don't think that happens. I think there's, even though Beth Center lost a lot, I think there's still a, a big talent difference between the Mikes and the Bulldogs. So, all right. Next up, we have Fraser. Fraser Commodores. I first off, I really like their logo. I know it's really simple. It's just the star with the F in it, but I really like it. It's just and the, and their um, secondary logo is basically just the like the throwback of Vanderbilt logo, but with everything's colored red instead of like gold, and it, it works. I really like it. It's it's really unique for a high school team. It's not just like the Tigers or the Cougars or something like. Yeah. You know how many Trojans there are in Western PA? Oh yeah. <laughs> and everywhere in high school football, there's there's Trojans in our in uh, the the mid pen six A as well. But I really like Frazier. Their their uniform sticks out. They got a nice color scheme. So. I gotta say though, it, it's it, I've always found it interesting when high school football teams just take like a professional logo and just use it straight up without any change at all. And sometimes it's not even a football logo. Sometimes it's like baseball or something. It's just weird. I don't How know. How many times have I seen the Missouri Tigers logo redone in a different color? It's like if Moon and Holidaysburg, the Moon area in Holidaysburg played each other, it's like <laughs> if a colorblind person would, wouldn't know which team to root for. <laughs> so let's talk about Frazier, though. All right, so um, they had a playoff season in 2015, a lot of excitement, a lot of hype, and really the last three years have just been a struggle as they rebuild. And so 2019 is really a question of whether they're returning players on defense, which is almost everybody, can lead them and not to mention a star wide receiver, Kenny Fine, can they lead them to some of that success as they had in 2015? Does this depth make a difference? Does that star player make a difference? So what do you think? Who else on this team, uh, what position group is going to impact the season to the point where Frazier can possibly get to the playoffs? Well, right now, beside the top three teams in this division, I think there's no defense like Frazier's right now. Their defense just they got a lot of depth on that D and that's really going to be like, if you have a good defense in one in this division, it's just, it's really abnormal. I'd say for, and it's really like, it'll, it'll set you apart from the competition. So if Kenny fine 
if Kenny Fine and Bobby Boggs find that magical combination that they found last year, I think this could be a great, great team. They could really improve. This is the year where they take that next step. This is the year where they say, okay, we're done with being like a middling, below average team. This is where they take that step. They get into the top three in this division. You get in the top three, you make the playoffs, you get that spot. You just keep adding continuity year after year. Um, uh, Two guys that I like from that, obviously Kenny Fine is just a special player for this team. This is a senior year, and he's really going to make that impact. Uh, Shane McGavitt is another guy that I like at linebacker who's uh, and fullback, who's just one of those, like, he's like one of those grinder guys that you like in Pennsylvania football. One of those, like, uh, the the short, like, stocky white guy who's the fullback and the linebacker, and just you, you really like those guys. They really stick out to you. If you're a fan of Virginia Tech, those Sam Rogers type players, like, I, I can guarantee <laughs> that you're the only fan of Virginia Tech that is ever going to listen to this podcast. Well, maybe, maybe there's a couple in Pittsburgh. You never know. Uh, let's just say, well, listen, all you Washington fans out there, Shy McKenzie, great running back. He went to Virginia Tech, probably one of the best running backs in Washington's school history. So, just a shout out there for one of. And obviously, he transferred to, from Virginia Tech to somewhere else after he got a bunch of injuries. But he's still el- eligible. He was a class of 2013 Virginia Tech football recruit, and he's still eligible for some reason. So, all right. Actually, are we done talking about Frazier? I think that they're a good team. They're they're going to be better this year. Yeah. And, and, and they got a, f- a fun uh, game day environment, so I'm excited about that. You see them, you know, they, they took a lot of attrition last year in terms of points allowed, just looking at their schedule, especially against some of the better teams, you know. But the question is, you know, we've seen a lot of attrition on defense, especially in terms of players, yeah. you know, leaving. Yeah. So does, does that elevate their defense to the point where their offense can catch up? Because that's the question. Some of these games, you know, it would be – You'd have to be a pretty special team to score 56 points, for instance. And um, beside Washington, you don't see a level of returning players that on any other team in this division other than Frazier. It's Frazier and Washington as far as returning talent on defense and not a lot else. So does that defensive talent outweigh the other team's offensive talent? And if it does, Frazier's going to be really good this year. All right, next up we are going to talk about Beth Center. The so Bulldogs. They lost a lot of players last year, uh, quite a few. And, again, it's a question of, you know, how, how can their backups step up? You know, can can their, sec, their second-string players really make a difference? That's the question. I mean, they got a new quarterback coming in in Colby Coons. They lose their um, kind of hybrid wide receiver quarterback, running back uh, type deal um, in Bailey Linkowski last year. So they got Colby Coons coming in. Uh, his dad is actually the head coach, Joe Coons. Um, but I think the real uh, standout player the offense re- revolves around is Devin Dingle. But much of their talent is coming back on the offensive line. So Bailey or Colby Coons is going to have enough... Um, time in the pocket to where he can really show uh, he can really try to improve his game Um, the defense I think has a really good secondary not a lot 
at linebacker, not a lot at on the D-line. The question is, and the, this is really the one team in the division where you look at their roster and you think they lose so much, how can they keep from dropping? How can they keep from... Because Frazier improves. You got Carmichael's is either going to be the same or improves. Uh, Brownsville, you like to think improves um, with all their guys coming back. So Beth Center is that team where you wouldn't be surprised if they dropped to the bottom. You wouldn't be surprised if they dropped to one or two. But you would be surprised if they pulled, if they went up. Because I don't think, with all the talent they return, I don't think there's really a player that sets them apart from the competition aside from maybe Devin Dingle just going entering a whole nother level. So Beth Center, I could see them dropping behind Frazier, um, but I don't think they drop behind Brownsville or Carmichael's right now. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, it's you know, even though Brownsville and Carmichael's were pinning for improvement, you know, Beth Center has a little more of a tradition of winning, and I hate to say stuff like that, but... I think they could drop to third from last, because Southmoreland is going to have a much better squad than they did last year, too. Yeah. So, But you, you, they do have some of that talent that can win them games that they maybe shouldn't. Um, some, some of those standout players like Devin Dingle or even Colby Coons. All right. Next up, we have McGuffey. An interesting team. So. They're very interesting. I really like them. And shout out to Brock Owens. He'll be our McGuffey guy this year. He'll be covering... Uh, actually, he'll more be covering McGuffey and Beth Center. So whenever there's a Beth Center or McGuffey home game, he'll be at one of those. So, And if there's a week... I think there's like one or two weeks where neither of them have a home game, I think he's covering someone else for us. But he'll be our main McGuffey guy covering for us. So this will be instrumental in helping him learn as well. Yes. So um, McGuffey went 7-0 and in their first seven games last year. Things are looking up, feeling fresh. And then they have a tough stretch, um, losing close games to Charleroi, Washington, and Southside. So they ended up going 7-3. and Pretty disappointing end of the season. But there is hope. So... The hope is in the Whipke brothers, um, Marshall and McKinley Whipke. Um, McKinley Whipke was not even second string at running back last year, and that's where you, you, you can he take that step into taking multiple um, multiple snaps, multiple runs in a drive. Where last year he wasn't, and he was still a really dynamite player. He had that big playability. He he was going deep in passes from his brother he was breaking long runs and if you see that from him on a play-to-play basis McGuffey will be a really dangerous team in this division the offensive line returns a lot I believe so it's up basically to where if the running game can just improve to where if the running game can just take that step or take the step forward or stay where it was last year and everything else improves on the defense you really see McGuffey take a step forward because, I, uh, again, the backfield should be strong. Uh, McKinley Whipke showed enough last year to where he can just take the step forward, take the take away the reins from the seniors and Brennan Crow and Christian Clutter and become the workhorse of that backfield. So you really want to see that. Yeah, and it's honestly... He's an exciting player for sure. There, there are definitely some big questions just because of... Um, 
you know, the the players that they've lost in both the backfield and the offensive line. And that's going to be the key to watch is the running game for them, I think. And just like so many other teams, if they can get that going, then they can control the clock. Yes. They can start to win games. And they got receivers coming back as well. So, yeah. And Marshall Whipke is one of the best quarterbacks in the Whipple right now, especially in 2A. Might be the best in 2A. So if we get, if he is able to have those weapons, if his brother just takes a step forward and takes the reins of that lead runner, then this te- this offense will be very, very lethal. I'm not saying they'll be as lethal as, say, Washington, but, like, if they get into that Whipple um, playoff on a different side of the bracket than Washington, they they have a chance of making that final. They have a chance. I don't. I don't think I'd. I certainly wouldn't put money on it. Yeah. And that's nothing against McGuffey, but it's a talented. I mean, where they where they land in the playoffs is just depends on how Charleroi is. Ben McGuffey Charleroi yeah. matchup is going to be very important to where yeah. they land because Washington. I mean, Washington is not going to lose to McGuffey, and Washington is not going to lose to Charleroi. So, it's all about well, that second they place. Shouldn't. They, they shouldn't. shouldn't. <laughs> but anything can happen in high school football. And speaking of Washington, um, that is... Let's end on that note, because I'm excited to talk about the Prexies right now. What an interesting... <laughs> I think it's it's like little presidents, because the yeah. Washington and Jefferson presidents, yeah. something like that. But yeah. they're little Prexies. That's their official name, is little Prexies. Another little team to cover, huh, Nathan? Yes. Um, the only one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Washington is going to be the team to watch this year. Um, Washington is that team where it's it. You always need that one team because last year we covered State College and they were really good and they were they we we got to see them until after Thanksgiving. But yeah, you always need that one team where you can still be around and covering them. And this is that team for us because they're they're going to be st- sticking around till maybe into December. The point being, Washington's a fun team to watch. Absolutely. Um, they are returning nine players on offense, starters, nine starters on defense, and there's a good chance they'll compete for the Whipple Championship again this year. Last year, well, they lost yes. to Steel Valley. Unfortunately, it was kind of... It, it was just a, a bit of a heartbreaker for them. It was very disappointing because I think they had... I mean, the year before, they go to the core, the semifinals in the PIAA, and this year, or last year, they really had thoughts of just improving one step more and going to the championship, and this, yeah. I think they just overlooked Steel Valley, and that, that's what that's what killed them. But I've, this year is going to be a special year for them. They got Zach Swartz coming back at quarterback. They got two dynamite running backs, Dylan Asbury and Amari Miller. Dylan Asbury is a is a division one double A player, if not division one player. Um, they got two really good wide receivers. Zamir Robinson is like, going to be a standout receiver. Zach Swartz is not going to throw the ball very much with Asbury in the backfield, but when he does, it's going to be to Zamir Robinson. Both defensive line and offensive line are stacked. And I mean stacked, especially the defensive line. The defensive line, there's not an offensive line in this division that will be able to stop them. And they will be in the backfield on every play, and they're not going to quit at all. And that's the thing. You don't see, like in, at least in my opinion, you don't see any standout offensive lines no. in this division. I mean, Beth, Beth Center brings back everyone on their offensive line, but it's like 
there's not enough other talent around Beth Center to where they're going to compete a lot. McGuffey's replacing a lot on their O-line. So, hopefully Charleroi, if we don't know much about Charleroi, but if Charleroi has a has some turnover on their offensive line, man, this is the Praxis division, and there's not a lot close to it. Yeah, and just the question is, can they live up to the talent? You know, you see plenty of really talented teams that can't put it all together. Um, you know, especially we see plenty of that in the mid-pen. Yes. You know, they have dynamite players that aren't disciplined. So can Washington exceed expectations or even make expectations? If they can, they'll be in the championship. It's going to be good. Whitfield championship at yeah. least. Yeah. And, and when I say exceed expectations, I, I'm, I don't know. I, like it's, it's hard to pick anybody at this point in the year for a championship. You know? Like, I don't want to say, oh, I think this team's going to win the championship because it's so early. There's so much that can happen. So when I say exceed expectations, I'm not saying I don't think Washington can win. I'm just saying you can't really pick anybody at this point. That's enough for our 2A preview. You want to do some predictions at least for the Century Interstate? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's not really... We've talked so much about how great Washington is. I think both of us would expect yeah. them to win again this year. But the interesting question is... Which team will show the most improvement? Yes. Um, Do you have your answer? For me, it's Frazier. Um, you want Frazier to be that team. They're exci- They're an exciting team and they're good. And I think they have enough guys coming back on that offense to where they're going to be able to score points. The defense is not a question for Frazier right now. Um, but I like the, the where the offense is going to be at following last year Boggs and Fine really improved and I'd really love to see Boggs kind of air the ball out to him who is your most improved team I'm gonna go with something a little different and I think I'm gonna go with Brownsville Brownsville I'm not saying I'm not saying they're gonna be an amazing team I'm not saying that they're gonna be top tier contenders but the question is who's gonna be the most improved and I think that they have a chance to pull themselves up from the abyss of last season. It started with chaos when their head coach left. Hopefully that won't happen again this year. That should be an easy guarantee for at least a couple extra wins, hopefully. Um, you know, they have some dynamic players in Hunter Assad and, you know... Daniel Grant. Daniel Grant, yes. of course. Yeah. And their offensive line... If they don't, if their offensive line doesn't take a step back, I think they got a real chance. Because, I mean, their offensive line and their defensive line kept them in games at least till halftime last year. Like they were close to a good bit of teams. Um, a close loss to McGuffey almost upset the McGuffey party last year. So, and that game was really close at half. So you you take what you can get, and if you're Brownsville, and what you're going to get this year is most likely an improved team. Yeah, so it sounds like we're in agreement then. Yes, but not as improved as Frazier, so I'm going to stick with my All right, all right. <laughs> all right, so that is it for our conference previews because we're not going to talk about conferences for any uh, any uh, teams above 3A. So for starting at 3A, we're going to dissect more uh, out of the team specifically and less about where they'll rank because... Most of them are not that good, so it sucks. But 
One of those teams that might be good, though. Waynesburg Central. Waynesburg Central, the Red... or, or uh, They're not the Red Raiders. There are too many Raiders recovering. Uniontown is the Raiders, and they're, they're the Red Raiders, but Waynesburg Central is just the Raiders. It's going to get confusing, man. I'm, it if, already is. Listen, Waynesburg Central, if I call you the Red Raiders, don't get mad at me, okay? Like, everybody calls you the Red Raiders, so... Whatever. <laughs> Let's talk about Waynesburg Central. All right. So, uh, Waynesburg Central has a difficult schedule pretty much every year. They play in a very tough division, but this seems like the year that they have a chance to overcome that. They have eight starters returning on both sides of the ball. They have a deep offensive line. They have some weapons that can make big plays. And the question is, can Waynesburg Central compete for a playoff spot in potentially, arguably, the toughest division in Pennsylvania high school football? Um, I don't think so. I don't see it. There's just The schedule is just full of landmines everywhere. Like, you're not going to pull up an upset against Aliquippa. You're not going to pull out an upset against Quaker Valley. You're not going to pull out an upset against Beaver Falls. It's just not going to happen. There's not enough talent in this talent pool to where you can realistically see a win against any of those teams. You're not going to see a win against Keystone Oaks. You're not going to see... I mean, you might compete with Burl. You might compete with Central Valley. But you're not... I don't see those wins. So... I just don't see them competing for a playoff spot despite all the talent they got back. And it's a shame because they got a lot of good players coming back. And if they were in the 2A century, they were in the 2A interstate, they could be top... I I don't think they'd be better than Washington, but I think they'd give McGuffey an argument. Honestly, I, I think they could compete with Washington. I think they could beat them. I mean, they are a 3A school. They are a 3A school. I mean, I, you know, you're you that's a there, there is a big jump, you know. I mean, Mifflin and talk just talking about the mid pen for a little bit. Most of you guys probably don't know anything about it, but you realize Mifflin County was a playoff team last year, right? Because they, they were, were a playoff a. team, yeah. <laughs> but they they play in five A. Yeah. They there's a huge gap between a playoff five A team and a six A team, and. I'm not saying that Washington is going to be a lot worse, but there should theoretically be a big gap between a playoff caliber 2A team and a very good 3A team. And give them credit for playing in Beaver Valley Conference. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, it, it's it, it's just a situation where they're they're just in a have a brutal schedule. You know, it's a very solid football team. They should have success against pretty much any of the other teams that we're going to talk about in this podcast. They would at least compete or really I mean, run away with the games. First game against Jefferson Morgan, man, man, good night. Like there's no, there, there's no competition coming from the Rockets in that game because Waynesburg Central just shut them down. But at the rest of the schedule, it doesn't look pretty. I mean, Ambridge maybe. Um, oh, they're out of conference. They could win, but they're in conference. I there's not a lot there, but they got enough returning where they could like compete for one or two or spoil a game or two honestly yeah and it, it's you know i wouldn't be surprised to see an upset of a of a more powerful team doesn't help that you get quaker valley beaver falls and aliquippa all on the road yeah that doesn't help at all <laughs> well at least aliquippa you i mean yes. i don't think you're 
Aliquip was almost better to have on the road because <laughs> I don't think you have much of a chance against them no matter where you play. Yes. So. But some names to talk about. Caleb Shriver, he's a good quarterback. He'll improve. Uh, Nate Stevenson is a standout running back. Their offensive line returns everyone. Their Avery McConville is a great linebacker and a great receiver. Luke Robinson is a good complement to Nate Stevenson. So they got names, they got guys, they got depth at positions. It's just that they don't have as much overall talent than some of the teams are playing. Yeah, and it's just that talent gap that is so killer in high school football. It, yeah. it matters so much where you're, you know, where your players are from, and how how many players you have access to. It it just it makes a huge difference. All right, so that's enough about Waynesburg Central. Let's move on to our next team, I believe. All right, we are going to talk about Uniontown, and unfortunately, this is one of those teams that has had a disappointingly low amount of success. And we're just going to have to talk about one more team that is just not very good. No. <laughs> and I hate to say that. I really do. Like, between Mapletown and Uniontown, I'm, I'm more inclined to be more disappointed in Uniontown because at least Mapletown puts forth the effort to field a team, puts forth the effort to, like, try and improve year to year. But Uniontown is just not good, and they, I, they, they're in a in a, a marginally big city. <laughs> like Uniontown's is as big, if not bigger, than Waynesburg. So you you like to see them really be a good team because they have, I you'd think they'd have the talent in a city like that. Um, but they're just not good at all. <laughs> yeah. So, um. They were they went two and thirty nine in the last four years. That's brutal. That's not good. They got a new coach coming in though, and that's really the big question. Um, so Cedric Lloyd is coming in to coach the Red Raiders, not the Raiders. The not Red the Raiders. Raiders. The Red Raiders. Even though the colors are maroon and black. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, Quarterback Dominic uh, Richter, 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 I believe. None of the above, something like that. He's returning, and also uh, running back uh, Kyron, Kiron, Craggett. Yes, you you nailed it, <laughs> Kyron Craggett. Kyron Craggett. Yes, I, I'm really sorry. I, honestly. <laughs> He's reading these names for the first time, so give him a break. No, not the first time, like <laughs> the third time, but it still doesn't make sense. <laughs> uh, so there weren't a lot of bright spots on the team last year. There were, honestly, as far as I can tell, haven't been a, light, a lot of bright spots on the team the last four years, considering how their record's been. But these guys were one of our, a few of them. Um, so the question is, can Lloyd resurrect this team in 2019? That's an appropriate choice of words. Or is it still a long ways away? Um, Richter and Craggett are both seniors. I Nope, Craggett is a junior. But either way, I feel sorry for them because they're good players. And uh, in last year, Tory Robinson was a good player too. Um, and they just weren't on a good team. They didn't score very many points at all. Their offensive line is a mess. It's just not... 
it's not fun. It's just disappointing to see this team be so bad. And Torrey Robinson got out of there. He transferred to Albert Gallatin, which I don't know if that's a step up or not, honestly. But there's there, this team is so far away from any other team in their division. It's just I wouldn't be surprised if they won a game this year, but I don't think they do. So I think we can move on from Uniontown, honestly. Like, uh, apologies to any Uniontown fans out there, but this is not going to be a fun season, especially with a new coach. They're installing a new system. They're, they got a tough schedule again. If you're looking for the success, I think next year would be more promising. You know? Possibly. Craig, they got Craig, Craig, is still going to be there. And by yeah. then, the system would have been installed a little longer. The players are a lo- little more familiar with the offense. So I'd, I'd say next year, watch out for Uniontown not to be a contender, but to be competent. But we'll see. That's the most you can hope for, at least right now, is to be competent. All right. Next, we have Laurel Highlands. Another team from Uniontown. Uh, at least they're good. Uh, at least they win games. Yeah. <laughs> So now we get to talk about an actual quarterback battle. Uh, we have the possibility of a real quarterback battle. Yes. Well, not really Lions. real because one is a wide receiver that's transferring to be quarterback, and then one is Rodney Gallagher, who's a freshman. So that you don't have a lot of experience from quarterback last year, almost no experience from quarterback from last year. Although um, wide receiver Robbie Slater did take snap side quarterback last year. Um, they lose Connor Bassinger, who was one of those uh, multi-year starters at quarterback, and he didn't really do very well um, as a starter. But you look at this offense, and you, there's a lot of returning starters, so a lot of returning starters on defense. You hope that they improve. Um, Who's to say? Uh, they play Obama Academy, which I thought was hilarious. Their first game, I believe. No, their second game. They start off with Washington. Man, that's tough. Okay. Um, but I think they could... Well, Obama Academy got three wins last year as well, so that should be a fun game. We'll be there. <laughs> should be fun. I, I specifically requested that we cover that game because I want to see what Obama Academy <laughs> even is. <laughs> their, their official name is USO because they're a combination of three schools, but I'm just going to refer to them as Obama Academy because I love it. I just love it. It's great. All right. So um, now that we've we've gotten that out of the way, the question is, who do you think will start at quarterback? Who do you think will end up at quarterback by the end of the year? And do you think they will lead an improved Mustang squad in 2019? If they're looking, if they're forward-thinking... I think they'll start Gallagher because they they want to... Well, the, I think they'll start Slater. But if they're forward-thinking and they got the long-term plan, they'll start Gallagher because I think Gallagher has the more natural talent. So I think they should start Gallagher, but they won't. They'll start Slater because they want to win now. And it might get them to four wins maybe, but where will they be next year when they're implementing a sophomore Ronnie Gallagher with no playing experience? Um, it's They should... Do I think they should pull the long haul this year and break it down and start over, but they're not going to do that. They're going to try and get better from where they are, and don't know if that'll work or not. Honestly, yeah, we'll have to see. And so I mean, y- do you think they will improve this year? 
Do I think Laurel they'll improve? Highlands. I think they'll stay where they were. I don't think they'll get better, get worse, because their schedule doesn't get any more friendly to them. In fact, it gets less friendly to them. Maybe they pull out one more win. I don't think they contend for a playoff spot. Unlike a team that may improve next year, who only got two wins last year, our next team that we'll talk about. We're going back to the analogies, and this one is Jekyll and Hyde. And I don't know how many people listening to this have actually read Jekyll and Hyde. Perhaps I am the only one. I haven't even read it, and I just knew that it was a story and put it in. Well, I have read (laughs) Jekyll and Hyde, and I would recommend it. It's pretty interesting. So it is a pretty famous short story that was written in the 1800s, classic romantic era literature, and um, written by Robert Louis Stevenson, who also wrote Treasure Island, which he's most famous for. But then again, I don't need to bore you with the stuff that I've learned from my English literature CLEP exam. So um, here is the Wikipedia entry on it. The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is a gothic novella by Scottish author Robert Louis Stevenson, first published in 1886. It is about a London legal practitioner named Gabriel John Uderson who investigates strange occurrences between his old friend, Dr. Henry Jekyll, and the evil Edward Hyde. The novella's impact is such that it has become a part of the language with the phrase Jekyll and Hyde entering the vernacular to refer to people with an unpredictable dual nature, usually very good but sometimes shockingly evil. With nine returning starters on offense and only five on defense, I have found that the Trinity Hillers football team... I'm sorry, I just really appreciate that mascot a lot. Could be described in this way. How will Trinity be able to make up for a lack of experience on defense in 2019? Uh, This is a confusing one because Trinity is really bad at updating their max prep site. So I will answer it by saying, I don't know. There's no way to know. Um, Last, This is how bad the max prep site for Trinity is. So I go on Max Preps and I copy and paste the roster and I see and there's about 40 names of just names, no numbers, no classes, no heights or weights, no positions, just names. So I'm like, okay, this will be fun because I got to figure out all of this stuff for all these names. So I look on last year's schedule and I see a couple names that are there. Um that I got a copy and paste. And a couple names that were there that were seniors last year that are just names. So I just delete those names. So now there's like 30 names. Uh, <laughs> one of the names there is Big Chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's his name, Big Chocolate. I press on Big Chocolate and it goes to someone else's page. I go on Huddle. There was a player named Big Chocolate on the team last year. So I also I found out on Huddle that their top five players and they organized on Huddle that by views. So their top five players in views aren't even on the roster. Not in the names, not in the players listed. Even with the heights and weights. So, <laughs> how good do I think Trinity will be? Well, I asked a couple Trini- people at Trinity how good they will be and they gave me so-so answers on who maybe the returning starters are and who won't be. So, this is what i figured out so far. Probably wrong. I think Trinity does better this year. I think they got enough returning talent on offense where they can really improve. But defensively, I don't know who the leading tacklers were. I don't know who even remotely was good on their team. So I can't make an accurate prediction of their record because they're just there's so many question marks just by like how bad their site was. 
I think they get the four wins. But I'm just shooting them my butt, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> the point is, they could be really good. They could be really bad, just like Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. They got yeah, they got wins. They or they got weapons. They got weapons, but they lose their two, top two leading tacklers, in Caleb Negley and Kenny Ely, both are college bound players. One of which is going to be starting, might be starting at linebacker at our school. So, should nice. be fun. <laughs> so, let's move on from Trinity because that was just a pain in the butt trying to figure out what the heck the roster was. And, and it's still not fixed. And if, you're upset beca- <laughs> and if you're upset because we fluffed the entire Trinity analysis with a Wikipedia entry and complains about max preps, I apologize. But what else are we supposed to do in that like, situation? There's nothing else we can do about yeah. your roster. So, All right. let's move on to our probably- final... A, yes, I will say this is the most fun and least fun team at the same time. All right, why, why don't you introduce it since you're so excited? Okay, one of the most confusing teams to cover, and one we probably won't talk about too often. Sorry, Albert Galatin fans, but you're not in the Whipple anymore, so you're not as interesting to us as Uniontown or whatever, <laughs> just because you moved out. So they come in off in an 0-10 season. They drop out the Whipple, they go independent. They half of their games this year are against teams from West Virginia and Maryland. Yay. <laughs> Yay. So teams we know nothing about. We don't know the records. They are not on Western BA football. Whatever. So what are the Albert Gallatin Colon- Colonials in 2019? Is the question. What are they? I'll answer it for you. They're not good. <laughs> they got <laughs> they got probably one offensive weapon in Caleb Lang coming back. They got five starters on offense. Four on defense coming back. They get Tory Robinson, who was one of the only bright spots on Uniontown last year. There's not a lot besides it's just, that. It's it's kind of a strange circumstance. We really are not going to be covering them uh, them that much, like we said. We don't know anything about the teams they're playing, but we'll we'll keep an eye on Albert Gallatin, and we'll try to provide updates. If they if they win the first three against Carrick Brashear and James Buchanan, or first four because they play Bishop Carroll also which isn't listed on the schedule, but they do play them. It's listed on Bishop Carroll's schedule. But if they win those first four, they'll be fine. But I don't think they win those first four. I don't even think they win one of them. So That's pretty brutal. Yes. I think, okay. they, I think they win one of them. There's a chance. I think I mean, they do. You never know. Pittsburgh City League teams are bad enough to where yeah, you can probably exactly. pull one out. So, yeah. All right. Let's not talk about any of these 3A teams because they're just not interesting and they're all kind of just pretty bad so let's jump away from them and move into our segment that you probably have never heard of which we do every week on the state college football podcast and now we're taking it here we're doing picks against the spread for week one or week zero it's really week zero because school hasn't started yet but it's week one you can't have nine weeks of games what is that number nine can't do that no one uses the number nine all right (laughs) If you use the number nine, turn off the microphone. Or turn off your headphones. Take off your headphones. Put your headphones down. Turn off your phone. Stop listening. Please don't. Please don't. Please keep listening. (laughs) All right. Our first pick, basically picks against the spread, is if you're not a betting person, which... Also, disclaimer, because we have to make this disclaimer all the time on State College Football Podcast. We are not betting for real 
and we do not want you to bet on high school football games. No, it's it's super not legal. okay. <laughs> it's it's really dumb. It's illegal. Uh, don't call the police on us. All right. This is not for money purposes whatsoever. The only purpose of this is to use a format that is used in betting on college and NFL football games. But the only purpose of it here is to make kind of a fun game about it. There is no money actually being used. Um, it is just picks against the spread, but without any actual value. It's yes. just a good way to analyze how we think the game is going to go, pretty much. Yes. All right, so the three options, you can bet the over, which means they'll win by more points than their favorites by. You can bet the under and win, which means they'll win, but they'll win by less points than their favorite by. Or you can pick the under and loss. Which yes. is means they'll lose the game outright, and obviously they won't be favorites. Yes. Yes. So, um, we arrive with these values ourselves. I create them based yep. on how I feel about them. But, so these are <laughs> yes. not these are not official, and they would never be because it's illegal. Yes. And what? But what we're doing is not illegal. It's just a fun game, as we said. Absolutely. There is no money being transactioned here, being spent or whatever. Being All bet. right. So let's start off with our first game. This is also the first game of the year. It's happening Thursday night. Thursday night against for bleh, against Cornell. So it's Carmichael's at Cornell. Both teams were below 500. Cornell was slightly better than Carmichael's last year. Neither of these teams played each other last year. This is their first time playing each other. So I just put the spread at negative 6. Because I don't honestly know how good Cornell is, but I think they're slightly better. So that's negative 6 for Cornell. Yes. That means they're favorites by six. This is yeah. yeah. So we are expecting them to win by about six points. Yes. That's what that means. Yes. Now, would you like to make your prediction? I'll make my prediction and say the under, but I don't think they will. I'm going to say Carmichael's wins outright, actually. I'm going to change that. Because I think... I'm going to say... But I think they... Carmichael's gets a lot of improvement. They're coming out. They got a fun environment, so they're going to come out passionate. Uh, I think they win this game. Um, I'm going to go with... I think I agree with you. I'm going with Carmichael's for the win. So that's to say I do not think that Cornell will win by negative six... by six points or less or more. All right, that was a very clumsy sentence. What I mean to say is I'm not picking the over or the under. I'm picking the win for Carmichael's. All right. All right, next up, we have... We will actually skip this game for last since we're covering it. Ah, that's a fine idea. Yes. All right, let's go with Waynesburg Central at Jefferson Morgan. This. What was the score for this game last year since you got the stats up? Um, Waynesburg versus... I don't think it was... I think it was by right. more than 21. Yes. Uh, <laughs> last year, Waynesburg beat Jefferson Morgan 47-8. Okay, so just by that score alone and by all the returning starters, this is basically just will Waynesburg Central give up by more points or will they give up after they've scored more than 21, basically. And I'm going to say no, they won't. And I'm going to go with the over. Yeah, I'm picking the over as well. So uh, just to continue the explanation for those of you that are new to this, and don't worry, we won't do this every time. As in, we won't explain it to you every time because you're not stupid. Yes. But, Our listeners are never stupid. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, we both think that Waynesburg is going to win by more than 21 points against Washington Jefferson. You know, Waynesburg, like we said, we're turning... Or Jefferson o- Morgan, yes. Oh, my goodness. 
It's just too many Too names. many president themes. Also, was Marshall a president? No. Okay. I was like, are the Whipke brothers named after presidents? Because it was McKinley Whipke and Marshall Whipke. No. No. Okay. I was just I was just double checking. Although Marshall was the name of a very famous statesman in post World War II America that basically saved Eastern Europe from economic collapse. Okay. In any case, um, Jefferson, no, okay, <laughs> Waynesburg is gonna win by more than twenty-one points. That's basically right. what we're picking. In and the there's candy. too many names. All right, let's go with another or not great te- team matchup, but also they're that in that bottom four for the Tri County South, so anyone could really win this game. But I like Avella is thirteen point favorites at Mapletown. Who will you win? Who will win? Who? Uh, who uh, will your pick be? <laughs> oh man, this is a tricky one. Um, I think I'm going the over for Avella. Okay. I, just because it's the first game of the year and Mapletown is coming off of a brutal stretch last year, I don't know if they have the confidence to pull off a close game this time. I'm going to go the same. I think that's that line is a little bit too small for me, so I'm going to go with the over. I think they win by about like 21, maybe less than that, tw- 18 to 21, but I don't see this game being particularly close. All right, this game might be close, um, we got Brownsville at Bentworth. This is a small line. Bentworth is favorites by 10. I know we're both positive on Bentworth, but you're also positive on Brownsville. Um, Brownsville well, is going to come yeah. out passionate. Brownsville has a good coach. Coach, bleh. Brownsville has a good coach with them. Bentworth has a new coach with them. Um, Bentworth has a lot of talent uh, at running back, and so does Brownsville. They both have really standout running backs and I know we highlighted the Bentworth defense, and we didn't really talk about the Brownsville defense. Um, who do you like in this? I think I'm going to go with the over, just because Brownsville is just like... They're, they're, they're not... You ben, Benworth is, Benworth's enough. a 1A team, remember that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, st- I'm going to go with the under. All right. Do you think it'll be a little bit closer than last year at least? Yes. So, I'm picking Brownsville, not to win, but to lose by less than 10 points. All right, so our, with our next game, Frazier last year played South Allegheny first, and Frazier was just not ready. I think they lost like 41-6 to six or something. Um, this year, Frazier's coming back with a returning... They're returning everyone, basically. They get a lot of... They remember last year... as. When they probably that I wasn't there for last year, but they probably came in not expecting that. And South Allegheny was a 500 team last year. Um, and the spread's 13. So the question is: Is South Allegheny good enough to stop a Frazier kind of resurgence this year? I'm gonna go with over. I, I don't. I think you're more high on Frazier than I am. I don't think that there's going to be enough improvement to stop a route. I'm going to go under, but I still think they lose. I think they keep this game close just by how good that defense is. All right, let's move on to some of our higher A teams. But first, we'll talk about Washington at Laurel Highlands. Uh, The spread's 24. 
24 points. And I'm going to go with that over, baby, because Washington's offense is legit, and the Laurel Highlands defense is not. So that is a massive spread, by the way. I mean, uh, and honestly, this is this is a difficult one. Last year, uh, Laurel Highlands lost to Washington 59-25. to <sighs> Jeez, I have to take the over. I don't like it, but... It feels disrespectful in every sense of the word. But, you know, Washington is returning so much talent, and Laurel Highlands isn't. And Laurel Highlands got beat pretty good last year. So, All right, next we have McGuffey versus Ambridge. And Ambridge. And this is a tough road game. Ambridge is a good team at home. Um, but McGuffey... Or Ambridge is a good team at home, yes. But McGuffey... It's a good team in general. And Ambridge is kind of a 500 to above 500 team. I really like McGuffey in this. I think they win, but I don't think they win by 14. So I'm going to go with the under. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I'm taking the under for this. I think Ambridge will keep it close. It's a home game. First game of the year. They're going to be excited. There's a lot of tension. But I don't think they can pull off a win. All right, and let's move into our 0-10 teams to finish it off before we go back to the game that we're covering. Um, Albert Glatton is at Bishop Carroll. Bishop Carroll, if you're not familiar with them, they're in District 6. Uh, they're, they're, in a, they're from Ebensburg. 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 I would call it Ebensburg. No, nope, like, it's Ebensburg. Um, Bishop Carroll was below 500 last year. The, um, it's uh, legally mandated that I mention every player from every school that we cover that is going to Waynesburg. So Jared Grove was a standout player on their team last year, and he will be a safety at Waynesburg this year. He was a team leader, and losing him is a big hit. Um, but Albert Glatton is not a good team either. Um, Bishop Carroll are two touchdown favorites, and that's a lot for a 5A team facing a 1A team from District 6. So, Yeah, this is kind <laughs> of ridiculous. But I still think Bishop Carroll wins, and I'm going to go with the under. Oh, see, I, <laughs> I I think it's an over. I don't think Albert Gallatin's ready. <laughs> I really They're don't. not ready for Bishop Carroll to... <laughs> and it's Bishop Carroll at home, too, so... Yeah. So Nick goes to the over. Yeah. Wow, I thought you were picking the Colonials for a sec. Wow. No, no. <laughs> okay, let's finish up with our last two here. We got Connellsville Falcons, who are... They were a good oh, team last geez. year. They were a playoff team against Uniontown. They are 35-point favorites. Who wins this one? Can you check the score for me for this game last year? I think it was not even close. It was like 60-something to something. Um, Connellsville. Uh, this might be difficult for the Red Raider fans to hear, to be reminded of. I'm sorry. Uh, if, you need, if you need help, please call somebody because... I don't want you to get too disappointed. Just remember FAST fast. Just remember that. Yes. All right. <laughs> the score was 64 to 19, Connellsville. That's brutal. Boy. I don't think I. I I'm, unfortunately, I can't take the over. Like I, it's 35 points. I can't take the over. I would be insane if I took the over. So I'm gonna go with the under. Yeah, I'm gonna go under with the understanding that Connellsville is courteous enough to put in their second string players after the first half. That's usually what prevents games going to 60 points. Uh, unfortunately, Uniontown gave up two 
60-point games last year. Oh, actually, excuse me. Three. At, three games of at least 60 points. Um, wow, that's brutal. Not a lot of fun guys huh? back on their, <laughs> on their defense. So, yeah, uh, both unders for us. Let's move on to the game we're covering. It shouldn't be the closest. It should be the closest game this week. Um, it'll be fun. We're uh, for all an update for all you guys. We'll be going to this game. I'll be posting updates to my Twitter um, and filming the game on the field. Hopefully, I don't know if we'll be on the field yet or not. I need to check with the California people. If you're listening, California people, tell us. If I haven't asked you already, I should ask you about it now though. Um, or, or Beth Center. We'll be on one side of the sidelines, either way. Um, and not only that, but uh, we will also be taking detailed notes, play-by-play. Yep. Play. yep. So when we do our post-game analysis, um, we will have a record of every single play. We can go into a lot of detail, get those good stats. Um, and honestly, this is a little bit of a sidetrack, a little bit of a disclaimer. I know this episode has been all over the place. You know, we've been kind of frazzled and it might not have sound the cleanest or the best but i assure you that we are fairly professional and that once we get into the swing of this you can expect a pretty good product because yes. we got our thing down with the state college football podcast and we're just trying to find our groove here because there's 16 teams most of whom neither of us have ever watched a single football game of theirs so yes we're on our way to being better, and I apologize if this episode was a mess. Absolutely. So, we'll be keeping those notes, and for our recaps episodes, or for like our normal episodes, we'll talk about the games we cover in more detail than the games we don't. Yes. So, um, those will get an extended analysis, uh, California and Beth Center being the first one of those. So... The spread is Beth Center favorites by 12. And honestly, I just put it like that because Beth Center is was 7-5 and five last year or whatever. And Beth Center is a 2A team and California is not. However, California has talent all over the roster. And how California performs in this game will honestly define their season. So I'm not going to put as much weight... Actually, yeah, I'm not going to put as much weight in that as that. But like... If they get their doors blown off them by the Bulldogs, who are not returning a lot and probably will have a, some learning, some learning curves thrown at them um, in this game, like I, I would expect much more out of California in this game to at least compete, if not win this game. And I got a lot of confidence in California to to show talent this year, and I think they really do it in this game. And I say they win. I'm going the under. I don't think they quite pull it off. It's a close game, but lose by field goal, lose by a touchdown, something like that. All right. So, those are our picks against the spread. Uh, the next episode will come out, um, hopefully, sometime next week. Hopefully, Early we'll, next week. Yes, hopefully we can get Caleb and Brock on this podcast next week so we can preview next week's games because I believe they will be covering games in week two with us. Um, West Green does not play this week, but we do have someone that might come on the podcast and cover West Green for us, uh, which is Jeremiah Miller, the voice of the West Green Pioneers. He'll be working with Green Sports and won't be able to help us out uh, with Western PA football. 
but hopefully we can convince them to maybe write a couple articles. Who knows? Um, we again we'll be going to Bethlehem Center uh, for the Cal- for the Trojans and Bulldogs. Um, after that, we will be heading up and going to the Whippeal versus Everyone tournament for a game up there, meeting with Billy Splain on Saturday, and hopefully we'll be able to talk about it later in the next week. All right. So that should finish everything up for this podcast. Sorry for making you sit around for like an hour and 50 minutes or whatever. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, this was a monster pre... Usually episodes will not be this long. Yeah. Usually our episodes are a little over an hour, you know, in that range. Um, usually our episodes are much better organized and yes. we're much more informed and all this but like i said yeah this was originally episode. supposed to be two podcasts i was gonna do more of a conference pre-preview like a pre-conference team preview whatever but uh that was scrapped because we ran out of time so this all had to be lumped into one but we got it all done yes <laughs> we talked about all 16 teams and probably more including conferences so yeah we hope you didn't die yet <laughs> listening to this and uh, we'll stick with us while we get our bearings under us for next week so moving down to Waynesburg on Wednesday let's do it yeah alright also if you have any interest in playing Australian football DM us DM us because we might make a club or we might not it's it, kind of it, up in the air right now it, it doesn't matter if you know what Australian football is it doesn't matter if you've never played Australian football before most people haven't but it's a fun time, so... And the way that you can DM us is... Uh, through my... You can follow us on Twitter at Nathan Grella or at NickHouse75. You can email us at NathanGrella at gmail.com. Everything is my name, and everything for him is, like, NickHouse75, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah. again, my Twitter is at NickHouse75. Oh, and by the way, I say Haas. It's spelled H-A-U-S. Yes. So don't... It's not H-O-S-S. Yes. And, um, again, nickhoss75 at gmail.com. Yep. And then you can follow Brock Owens at BrockOwens16. And you can follow Caleb Yager at YagerCaleb. Yager is spelled Y-A-U-G-E-R. And you can subscribe to us on CastBox, where this will be posted. I'm working on getting us an Apple Podcast. If we're not up there already by the time this comes out, it will be up there soon, as soon as it is posted. Uh, you can like us on Facebook for updates and you can read articles about our, all our teams on westernpfootball.com Billy Splain Done. shout out to Billy Splain for uh, helping us get all this up and running um, he is making our own tab on the Western PA football site for this coverage team huge shout out to him oh, yeah. um, this podcast is going to be the shining jewel of the Site, I suppose. <laughs> uh, Billy Splain has really come through for us last year. Um, he found us when we were just covering State College, liked what we were doing, and we owe a lot of our success to him. So, big thanks again to WesternPAFootball.net. Video podcasters. Uh, hopefully, we can get the video out soon, but you'll yeah. see Nick's wearing the Western PA football shirt. Uh, we got the Western PA football shirt hanging up on a lamp behind the <laughs> microphone so <laughs> alright so that's enough for Western bleh, that's enough for the Backyard Football Podcast this week this has been Nathan Grella and I'm Nick Oss
see you around next time. You've been listening to the Backyard Football Podcast. With Nathan Grella, Nick Househalter, and Brock Owens. The Backyard Football Podcast is a member of the Western PA Football Podcast Network. For more information follow the podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast on CastBox and Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening, and have a great day. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.